Welcome to the Blue Lemonade Podcast, where we talk to people from all walks of life, hear how they got to where they are today, how Hat Not Hate inspires them, and how they have made lemonade. Hello, everyone. Hey, Meg, how you doing? Hey there. I'm great. I'm good. Holding down fort. I'm going to give you a definition of a word, okay? The word is goddess. Are you asking me what comes to mind? Yeah, I am. Well, no, let me give you the definition first, and then I'm going to say <laughs> what comes to mind or who comes to mind. I like this game. I okay. like this game. Goddess, known as a noun, a female deity, a woman who is adored especially for her beauty. That's what I got here when I put in goddess on my Apple iPhone. When you typed it in on, oh, what a plug. I, on my Apple What iPhone. a plug for Apple. Okay. Yeah, Apple Podcast, thanks for hosting our podcast. <laughs> Meg, who comes to mind when I say goddess? Uh, Samantha Brunson. Yes, but she will forever. Really no one else. No one. <laughs> no one else at this point. But she will forever and always be known to us as the social media goddess, also known as SMG. And I'm not sure how she feels about that. Hopefully good, because that title really stuck. <laughs> it stuck. I don't so know if we well. ever asked her that. <laughs> No, I think I think she I think she loves it. I feel like for her just being known as a goddess, it would have been too much. So being like the social media goddess, like she embraced it. Yeah, it's a little more cash. Let's talk about Sam. It's funny because as you'll hear in the podcast, like I didn't know her very well as she started working at Lion Brand right before the pandemic started as a matter I know. Of well we should talk about when we first met her <laughs> because I remember so vividly her coming in like we we were just we were flooded with social media we needed help and she was coming into interview and I'll just never forget we had spoken to a couple people and she came into your office and she sits down on the couch and we were kind of like okay like who's this girl she had a presence about her ready that when she came into the room I was like okay you know like who is this like she's she looks a little sassy and she sits down and we were like so you know we have our Instagram page and we have Facebook and she was just like I know, basically, and here's my paper. And she whips out a paper with all these strategies already of just like what she would do for us. And I don't know, maybe that's what you're supposed to do on interviews, but I feel like me and you were so impressed. Maybe you're supposed to be that prepared, but I feel like we just couldn't. We were just like, you're hired or you can just be our friend if you're not. I don't know. It was we, talk, we talk about that. We talk about that. Yeah. From here, it looks like she's got it all together. She's got a cute dog named Shelly, also AKA Shelly Paparelli. What, what's funny is because we didn't know her before the pandemic, I even remember Sarah saying like, we should take her out to lunch. And I was like, <laughs> yes. yeah. And then the pandemic. Stopped. I like put it on the calendar and we were like, take Sam out to a great lunch. And then it just no. never happens. But she's just such a wonderful human being. And she just always went, with the flow as one could virtually and she made the she show honestly without her like without you and her I really don't know how the she show would have happened truthfully yeah I may have been on screen but without her being in the comments and without you making all the guests happen like I don't know how it would have happened so she made everything look so easy all the time 
flawless. And it was just like, it was, it was a little frustrating sometimes. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I know that you're having a hard time over there, Sam, like just admit it. Especially when we were in the throes of 2020 and we're Ooh. all having just like those days, we're like, come on, just break down a little bit, Sam, like come Show on to tear. the dark side with us. <laughs> Show a tear. You know what the crazy thing is though, Meg, is that I really didn't expect this interview with Sam to be as open and vulnerable as it was and honestly to end the season of our first blue lemonade season this way I think it is so apropos to end with someone that was such an important part of hat not hate and the she show and end this season because this is going to be the last episode um until we come back for the second season we're already doing the second season so don't worry don't don't fret (laughs) it's coming but i think i was just so taken by how open and honest she was and really i had to hold back tears on this episode just thinking about it her vulnerability was beautiful and i think that in the way that we planned all these episodes the way to end it was with her because i mean how else to end a season but to end it with a goddess hello and today we are joined by samantha brunson creator of bobble clubhouse also known as smg that's how i know you (laughs) Always and forever. Always and forever. Sam, how are you? <laughs> Hi, Shira. It's it feels, so you know what? Right it's now, 25 oh, years. I know. Right now, even though people are listening to this with their ears, we're actually looking at each other. And I feel like no time has passed. I feel like we're getting ready for the she show. The <laughs> countdown is happening. It's 1157. And it's only minute. It's not eleven fifty-seven, actually. But it's just it is not eleven. No, it is not. But I feel so far like, past my bedtime. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's just the old times, and we're we're gonna get into everything as to who you are. But just being able to talk to you right now, it makes me very happy. And uh, just the fact that you have taken time to chat with us today makes me very happy. To just shine a light onto who you are is just a true joy. Thank you, Shira. (laughs) You know, I take compliments so well. I know you do. I know you do. So let's keep on shining that light. Let's talk a little bit about you. What do you do? Uh, That's a very big question. It's loaded. Let's separate it. Let's talk about Bobble Clubhouse first. Okay. So Bobble Clubhouse started as a social club for knitters and crocheters and crafters to get together in New York. Obviously, things have changed over the last few years, but luckily things were kind of going in that direction prior to everything shutting down. Because of all the people that I was meeting, like the very interesting creatives that I was meeting, I wanted a way to kind of share their stories. So I started BobbleClubhouse.com, which is a blog website where I just feature a bunch of stories and interviews and just things I find interesting in the crafting community. So it was kind of a interesting transition because writing has always been something that I felt very self-conscious about. And it took me a very long time to kind of take that plunge into writing, but I fell in love with it and it kind of grew from there. So that's the Bobble Clubhouse side of things. Wait, I'm not done. I have have questions. 
I have questions. Okay. So you started Bobble Clubhouse to kind of get people together and you kind of reference, obviously, the big, the big elephant in the room that is COVID. (laughs) Okay, um, I wasn't sure if we're saying it. I'm no, like, it's a it thing. feels a little bit like Voldemort. Like I'm no. like, I don't know if I want to say that name. No, it's a thing. It's a real thing. It's affected everybody, and I feel like it's it's a part of our lives. It's affected everybody in in different ways. So, and I think that most importantly, it's affected your root of how it's affected Bobble Clubhouse. So there's we must address it. Let's not ignore it. <laughs> Let, let's talk like about I, it. I need to lie down on a therapy couch. Yeah, let's, let me cross my legs here. Talk to me, <laughs> talk to me, tell me your feelings and thoughts. Unpack that for me. You wanted it to be a place for people to come together. Did you feel that that was lacking in the community? Yes. So, okay. So let me break that down a little bit further. So in case you guys can't see me or you don't know what I look like, I am an African-American woman and I define myself as an elderly millennial African-American woman. So before Bobble Clubhouse, a lot of my friends and my close-knit community were slowly starting to leave New York City, which I feel like happens after people, when people move to New York, they get very excited. It's all shiny and new. And then about the five-year mark, you kind of lose the first group who can say like, okay, I can check New York off my bucket list. Now I'm going back to my small town. And then after another five years, you lose another group. So I was kind of losing people one by one. People were scattering all over the place. And as an adult, I was finding it harder and harder to make new friends because I feel like when you're a kid, you just kind of run up to the other person on the playground and you're like, I love your purple crayon. I also have purple crayons, let's be best friends forever. But as an adult, that's a little bit harder to do. And I find it's easier to meet people when there's an activity involved and when you're doing something. And for me, my favorite things to do are binge watching and knitting, which are sometimes things, most of the time, things that you do at home in the comfort of your little bubble. So before I started Bobble Clubhouse, I was going to a few crafting events and, you know, knitting circles, and I just wasn't really finding the right fit. Sometimes they were a lot older than I was, or it wasn't a very diverse group. So I decided that I really wanted to just kind of make one for myself and why not? And it was something that kind of had been brewing in the back of my brain And then I was on a trip with some of my best friends and I kind of just said it out loud and they were all just like, yes, that's a great idea. And for some reason, when you say things to yourself (laughs) versus when someone else says something to you, it hits a little bit different. Yeah, that was kind of the origin story behind it. So they were Netflix and chill nights where we would watch a movie or a television show. Sometimes it was a lifetime movie, just something really I don't want to say dumb because Lifetime movies are high-class cinema, in my personal opinion. (laughs) Um, But it was just something that you could talk through, which was the key. So it was a lot of classics, things that people had seen. And then there would be yarn and, you know, a lot of companies would donate yarn and give yarn. And people would come together and knit and watch the show and also make new friends. So it became this really cool circle of creativity and knitting and binge watching and the pressure was taken off of people. You didn't have to come up with a conversation starter because you can just talk about the Lifetime movie that you're watching and 
instant conversation barrier breach. So that was kind of the origin story. So then once COVID hit, then where did you pivot to? Because everyone in life pivoted during that time. How did you pivot with Bobble Clubhouse? Yeah, so I had started writing and interviewing people for bobbleclubhouse.com prior to, but when everything kind of shut down and I can no longer do the in-person events, that side of things took more of a priority for me. So it was just kind of a natural evolution. And because I've been doing these events, I had been meeting so many really cool crafters. So I already had this long list of people that I could call up and say, hey, I want to tell your story or hey, I want to interview you and chat. So that was kind of a very natural transition, was probably going in that direction anyway, but when things shut down. But then you also have this other cool thing, because I've definitely purchased from there too. You have like an Etsy shop where you sell some really, I'm going to say dope swag. Let's talk about that, because I've bought a bathing suit from you. That's a real thing. You did. I mean, that was, again, it's, you know, I've learned to kind of just go with the flow with everything. And that was another evolution. I started doing these Instagram lives or Instagram, not reels. They were just kind of like stories where I would react to people's unpopular crafting opinions and people are very funny. So I just wanted to take some of their quotes and sayings and turn them into merch that people could purchase and have fun with. And then it kind of evolved from there. So then I think that's just kind of like my happy place. I don't do it as regularly. I only do it when I have a really funny idea for something and it takes the pressure off because it's not something that I'm trying to do to like make, make it a business. It's just something I do for fun. So would you say that Bobble Clubhouse period is your happy place? It is my happy place. Yeah, I would agree with that. Honestly, I've never worked with someone that is so passionate about what they do. And I think that that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on this podcast, because you were nicknamed on the, I don't know if I came up with a nickname or one of the she sisters, the she universe, as Jack calls it. I'm not sure, but we coined you as SMG, social media goddess, and even my dad refers to you as SMG. I just, I, he just, that, that's, that's your name. He, he called me like a year and a half ago and I missed the call. I didn't see the call, but now I have a voicemail where he just, he's like, hello, is this SMG? And I'm never deleting it. It's the greatest thing I've ever received in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> because you are, you are, you are goddess. I have to think about the day that you came into Lion Brand when you were first kind of working freelance, I think it was. And you came in, came into our office. You came in with two pieces of paper and you were like, yeah, so I have some ideas for hat, not hate. And I was like, oh, I love this, you know, because you were coming in as the social media, someone to help us with social media. I was like, great, help, please. You came in on Hot Wheels, girl. You were like, so X, Y, Z, A, B, C, one, two, three, here it is, all these things. And I was like, I thought you were just going to be like, you need help. No, you were like listing it out. You had taken a minute to think about it because you had actually attended the Yarnamentary event that I had done back in the day at PS 145. 
And you were one of the helpers teaching kids how to knit, which was an adventure in itself, I am sure. Um, (laughs) I loved that you had taken time to write out these ideas. And I just remember when you walked out of the room, I I looked at Sarah. I was like, did that really just happen? (laughs) Like, did that just... Did that just go down? Like, and I was honestly, the fact that I didn't know that you were one of, there were so many helpers that day. There were like 25, 30 people that that helped out. It was, it was huge. And then you ultimately, I think you were in the office before COVID hit, maybe for like two months, if that, maybe two, three months. And then COVID hit. And then we all went remote and we just became real close, like now through a screen. (laughs) Yeah, like old times. It's like no time has passed. And Hot Not Hate became part of our lives. You, you know, became such an integral part of the She Show, of just social media for Hot Not Hate, just everything. And when I asked you about this podcast, I wanted to know what your story was in regards to bullying. And, And you said that you very much had, you actually had two. So I wanted to kind of ask you what your story was. Yeah, and I actually thought of a third one, but we can get into that one last. Yeah. Um, Kind of comes full circle. And I did ask for permission to tell that last one. we'll We'll start at the beginning. So I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I, most of the time I was the only black kid in my class. I remember when a, the second black kid came to my class and I was so excited. I was just like, hi, can we be friends? <laughs> like, yeah. So it was that level. And it definitely, um, you know, it definitely affected me. I definitely dealt with outright racism and microaggressions and bullying throughout, I would say kindergarten through sixth grade which was a much smaller kindergarten through fifth grade. So I was at a smaller school. Specifically, there were moments where I would like go over to a friend's birthday party and be told like, oh, you're one of the good ones. (laughs) Like like just outright, very, you know, fairly racist things. And as a result of that, I think I developed certain coping mechanisms to kind of fit into the herd to not stand out in any particular way to kind of protect myself from harm. So my neighbors across the street, they moved in and they were homeschooling their children. When it came time to switch between my smaller school and my middle school, I was very much considering going into homeschooling. I ended up not doing that and going on to middle school. So the idea of homeschooling was kind of in the back of my brain at that point. When I made it through middle school, getting ready to go to high school, I decided I wanted a very different experience for high school because I had been used to being in the minority. I really wanted to just experience something different and kind of have a different high school experience. So I decided that I wanted to go to a private school in Newark, New Jersey. And this was a private school in Newark, New Jersey in the early 2000s. It's been very much gentrified now, but it wasn't so much at the time. And so now I was walking into a predominantly Black school, but because of the coping mechanisms that I kind of developed in my previous years, I was walking into a predominantly Black school 
literally sounding like a valley girl. Like I, I joke and say now that I sounded like I was on the set of Clueless. And as a result, I was bullied on that end. So now I'm jumping into an environment that I think I'm going to be very welcomed in, that I think I'm going to have a very different experience. And instead, it was the opposite. At the same time, up until this point, I had been a professional, I call it professional, even though I was a child dancer, ballet dancer. So I was up until high school, I was about like a size zero, double zero, very, very skinny, had like no form at all. When I went into high school, I kind of took a break from going to dance regularly. And as a result, <laughs> boobs came and so did a butt. And now I'm like a size two and I've got giant boobs and I don't know what this new body is. And I'm in a new school and environment I'm trying to fit in. And I'm also just such a nerd. So that obviously lends itself, not obviously, shouldn't be the case, but it lent itself to bullying. And I was bullied for essentially my entire half, first half of freshman year. And I got to a point, I woke up one day completely out of the blue and I just looked at my mom and my dad and I said, I'm not going back to that school. And here's why. And I sat them down and I gave them much like how I came into Hat Not Hate and gave you a list of things that needed to happen. I gave them a list of things that needed to happen as to why I needed to be homeschooled and how I would be responsible for my work and how this would ultimately be the right choice for my mental health. So my parents being the amazing people that they are, they said, okay. And I did not go back to that school and I was homeschooled for the rest of high school, um, all the way through to college, which ended up being a great experience because I ended up, I already had a community of homeschoolers that lived directly across the street. And I was able to go to classes that I wouldn't have been able to go to in the city at Parsons. And um, that's kind of how I got into fashion design and became the person that I am today. So looking back on everything, I am in a weird way grateful that I had to go through these things because I wouldn't be the person that I am today without it. But it would have been nice if I didn't have to do that <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, then, again, I talked to my friend about this this morning because I didn't want to get into anything without talking to the people that are involved in this story. So now at the end of high school, I've kind of been on this road of self-discovery a little bit and kind of coming into my own. And I decided to go to college out in Chicago at this art school, SAIC. Walking in, it was kind of the first experience that I had had in a few years where I was in a classroom environment in a kind of large group mentality setting. So instead of doing, leaning on all the work that I had done in the last four years, I kind of reverted to some of my previous habits. You know, the first set of schooling, I kind of converted, changed my personality a little bit to fit in there. Second set of schooling, changed my personality to fit in there. And now I'm going to this third set of school in college. People there were very artsy. I was in the fashion department. Fashion is life. Fashion is blood. Fashion is everything. And I kind of leaned into that. And it was the first time in a while that I had really had a solid group of friends. Unfortunately, what happened was, you know, sometimes in group mentalities, people aren't always the nicest. And I 
will admit that I was a bystander to that. So sophomore year, we were in the fashion department and there was this girl there, Jennifer Plumridge, who smiled all the time. Very, very happy. Not goth, not dark, <laughs> not darkness. And, you know, people were saying, she's not real. She's fake. She's faking it, you know? And I wasn't very nice. I wasn't the nicest to her. I wasn't, I wasn't who I had wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I went along with the pack. So the next year, as fate would have it, I ended up in a class that did not have my pack in it. I ended up in a class that was made up of the people that I hadn't really been the nicest to one of which being Jennifer Plumbridge. And she, turns out, is the nicest human being you can ever meet on the face of the earth. Turns out she's one of the strongest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. And at that point in her life, being about 19, she had already experienced more than I could ever imagine. And I had to come to terms with the fact that here's this wonderful person who's just a good person and who was going through a lot on her own. And instead of giving joy to her life and adding to her life, I had to question her joy and question that as though that's my place to do that at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And as fate would have it, we became best friends. And I have to live with that for the rest of my life that when I first met her, I wasn't very nice. I called her this morning because I was like, Jen, I want to talk about some things. And she's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't even think you were mean to me because she's that person. She's right. like, she's a freaking angel. It turns out that she was a knitter and, you know, I would not have become a knitter without Jennifer mm-hmm. Plumridge in my life. So I think, you know, now I'm going to get emotional, which she's probably, she's going to be listening to this. So she's going to get emotional. You know, I think that coming out of college and after meeting Jen, for sure, I realized after having shifted my personality multiple times to try and fit in. And then I meet this person who's just herself, 100% herself, love it, hate it, take it or leave it. She's just herself and she's happy, you know? <laughs> and So I tried to live my life by the Jen Plumbridge method, which is just be yourself and be kind to people and acknowledge that you don't know what other people are going through. So the very least you can do is be kind and just try to be a good person. And I'm so grateful that I met her because I don't think that my story would have ended up the way it did without so, and that has been a, that is a Jen Plumbridge approved message. So. Oh man. Um, Sam, thank you so much. Thank you for number one, telling us your story of how you yourself were bullied and how you felt, but then hmm, how interestingly enough, the, the turntables, the, the turntables. Yeah. And how and you've heard me say it, that there are three people in every room, that there are people that have been bullied, that have witnessed bullying, and that have been the bully. And, you know, to admit that, and to realize that, and how lucky you are to be associated with that person now. That's 10 years of friendship strong. That is is full circle beauty right there, Sam. Yeah. And I can say honestly that she is the person that I would call in the middle of the night if I was stranded in the middle of nowhere and 
I would show up for her if she was stranded in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere. And if I had not dug deeper, if I had just judged surface level, if I had ended up in a different class that year, to be honest with you, if I had just continued to stay with the same people and stay in the same orbit and continue to do the same things, I might not have had that relationship in my life. And I think about that and that just makes me so, so sad. And I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to Hat Not Hate and why I was so passionate about it and why I was so, you know, it tugged at my heart because I don't want, it's not just about the bullies, you know, those people are also going through things too. I mean, the, the Jen Plumridge method applies to them as well. You never know what people are going, but the bystanders who don't say anything and who are, you know, complicit in that we can make a difference <laughs> in how people uh, go about things. Sam, I'm, I'm speechless. I did not know. I did not know she was going to show up with this today. And uh, I am, I'm holding back tears right now. Snap. Let them out, Shira. Let them nope. out. Come on. Come nope. on. They're on the, they're right on the edge. No, I will not let you have them. You've had too many of them before. I'll ask you this so we can fully round it out. Mm-hmm. What is your advice for making lemonade? Yeah. So I kind of got into it a little bit, but be yourself. I think when Meg was describing the advice for lemonade, she said, what would you say to your younger self? And I would just say, be yourself. You know, I, I think back on the different stages of me and the different versions of me that I've been over the years. And if I could talk to each of them, I would just tell her to be herself. And there are going to be people who like you, who hate you, who think that you are shady, (laughs) no matter what you do. So wouldn't it be easier if you were just 100% yourself? Wouldn't it be more fun and lighter to just be 100% yourself? So that would be my advice for making lemonade and just be kind, just be a kind person. And I know that sounds like the most generic base level advice, but I think so often, I just think if we all approached every single person and understood that we don't understand them and that we don't know what they're going through, we don't know what they went through that morning or one hour before that. So just approach them with some level of grace and understanding and kindness. Just think the world would be a much better place. That's my advice for making some lemonade. That is some delicious lemonade. And that is a recipe by the one and only social media goddess, Sam. If you are interested in learning more about Sam and Bobble Clubhouse and seeing all the magic that she puts out there, all the information will be in the description of this podcast. Sam, thank you so much for coming on today and truly pouring out your heart and sharing it and hopefully inspiring others to be upstanders. Thank you, Shira. Cheers, everybody. For anyone that is freaking out that this is our last episode, don't freak out. Our second season (laughs) is coming. Make sure that you are following us on Instagram. They're behind the scenes audio clips. There's going to be more stuff coming out in between now and the next season. And the next season opener date will be announced on our Instagram. So make sure that you are following. And also 
as always, rate, review, and subscribe. We really hope that you have enjoyed this first season of something that I really believed in and I really wanted to make happen. And I hope that you share these podcasts with your friends, your family, and that it just continues to inspire you and that you hear these stories of people and their passions of what they do, how they got to where they are, but also that they went through different ways of getting there. Not only that, but also different stories of how bullying has affected them in their lives. And I think that that's what is so great about this podcast is that you are hearing from all these different people and all their different perspectives and just a straight up shout out to meg and making all these interviews happen and for meg putting herself out there on these intros oh my goodness yes well they lend themselves to some great blooper reels so i hope you all enjoy that and thank you all for listening really thank you and if you know somebody who would be a great guest for the show then please, please email us at bluelemonadepodcast at gmail.com.